got a divorce and the New York Post reported on it like half a dozen times. What if Shaq weighed in on your personal life? What if you logged on to Instagram and had to deal with an army of trolls who kept telling you how you messed up your life and your relationship or how you were never doing them right in the first place? Take just one of those scenarios alone and most people would melt right into a puddle on the ground. But this week's guest has been through that and more. And when I say more, buckle up. Nikki Spolster has not only lived through that aforementioned very public divorce with her now ex-husband, head coach of the Miami Heat, Eric Spolstra, but she's also a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, had an admittedly complicated relationship with her mother, is recently sober, and nursed her young child through a cancer diagnosis and treatment. And yet there she is on social media and on her podcast, The No, showing up with humility and vulnerability, welcoming people into her revelations about those very events that could have ruined her and sharing some measured advice instead. It's safe to say there is very little you could throw at Nikki Spolstra, who is keeping her married name, thank you very much, that could get her down. A native Miamian, she even wears a 305 necklace charm, Nikki's got charisma for days, an enviable wardrobe, seriously follow her on LTK, and she's also got a witty comeback for anyone who tries to take her down. She's got more layers than an onion, and frankly, I loved talking with her. This week, we sit down and chat all about those aforementioned big life things, but we also talk about her growing podcast and social media presence, what it's like staring down the haters, and the lessons we can all learn from facing our biggest critics head on. Welcome to We Gotta Talk. Okay, hi guys. Welcome to a really special edition of We Gotta Talk. We're trying to see if we can get this live on Instagram for you too. Um, I am joined today by someone, I, I feel like, who defines the phrase open book. Um, she is a podcast host, a professional dancer. She's a mom of three. She has overcome serious, serious things in her life to get to where she is today. And it's just so open about the whole process. Nikki Spolstra, thank you so much for joining me today on We Gotta Talk. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I loved our previous conversation. I loved hosting you on my own show, The Know with Nikki Spo, and I'm just really, really grateful to have the opportunity to chat with you and connect with your audience. Yeah, it's wonderful. We had a great time talking. I know we covered a lot of motherhood stuff. We talked about media stuff on your show. And I asked you before we started this conversation, I was like, listen, there's a lot going on in your personal life. Tell me when I'm going out of bounds. So oh, no. we don't we don't have to go anywhere. You don't want to go. But Nikki, like, let's be honest. There's so much juiciness. Like, there's so much that's happened to you. I feel like people who have been through really any level of anything can relate to something in your life. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. I think that, um, you know, I used to be a school teacher in an inner city middle school in Little, in little Havana, mm -hmm. predominantly Black and Hispanic. Most of those students were on free and reduced lunch. And I remember thinking, I'm like this white teacher coming in to teach these kids. And they probably think that I've had like this really clear cut path to life. And I remember hearing some of their stories and being like, oh my gosh, I would go home crying and be like, oh my gosh like the things that some of these kids have endured, like just to get to school in the morning. And then I had a sort of reckoning with myself where I'm like, man, it made me really um, contemplate how everybody's trauma and experiences are so different and how there's really no comparison because like it's all relative to somebody's life experiences, right? Like you can have, you can grow up in a beautiful suburb and your family unit is together and you could have on paper or externally everything that any family could ever want and you still have your your worst case scenario and your best case scenario within that set of experiences. And for what it's worth, like everybody's upbringing is somewhat like normal in their own eyes, like, because you don't know any different, you just don't know any different. And so like your best and worst case scenario on any given day is like kind of your baseline. And so when it's funny because when people say like, Oh, how much you've gone through it. I'm like, there's a part of me that like, when I put it down on paper, I'm like, Oh mm -hmm. wow. Like I've gone through a lot of shit. And then there's a part of it that I'm like, I walked through the fire. So I'm like, Oh, this is normal. This is, there's a part of me that's like, this is normal. This is just another day in the life of me. The burning feet are normal walking over the embers. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my, my feet are always hot. Oh, you know what? <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, I, I do, I was like doing obviously some research and, reading articles and interviews you've given before. I'm like, 
oh my God, this shit has been through. I, I mean, Nikki, like everything that people would classify as a big issue. You talk about enduring trauma and sexual abuse as, as a kid. You go, went through a, your own sobriety journey when you realized that you needed to be sober for your family's sake. You talk about, uh, you're going into a period now where you just are going through divorce. You had to leave a professional career. Your child was very sick. I mean, Nikki, like I want to reach through the screen and like, I feel like people probably have thoughts about you and it kind of pisses me off on your behalf already. Just knowing, getting to know you and knowing what you've been through. I like, just want to stand up and be like, this girl has, this girl is enduring. So just please, like, how do you not just want to react to people when they inevitably have an opinion, given that you live your life and partially in the public eye, how do you not react? Um, well, I, I think it's really hard to not react. I just think it is. And and I wouldn't say that I don't react. I like don't react publicly. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I react internally. Like mm-hmm. I, I have an internal dialogue about what is being said about me. Of course, you know, unfortunately, like I am a huge advocate for mental health. Like, and I think that having a therapist is very important, but I also have an incredible support system. And also, you know, the noise in Miami can be very loud. Um, but yeah. one of the beautiful things and like, I always am so grateful for this. It's like, I was born and raised in the city. And so I have day one friends that like know me from, I'm talking about like elementary school, middle school, high school. I went to a public university here in Miami. I literally wear like a 305 necklace that I have friends on the ground, right? I always say that. I have friends on the ground. I love it. I have friends (laughs) on the ground that like look out for me and have my back and that they know who I am as a person. They know my integrity and I'm not really worried. Like they, like a lot of these people saw what I grew up what I grew up in, you know, like it's not a secret amongst my peers. It's really not. And so when you think about like what people say about you from an outside perspective, I'm like, those, those people don't know shit. They don't know me. They don't know anything specific. And if they, and if they did, and like, if they did their research, like then they might have a different opinion about me or what my bag looks like or what my piece might look like and what decisions I've made to get to where I am today, you know, but I can't, I, I just don't think I can waste too much time, but you know, it's, it's really, it's hard, Sunny, because for, for me in the last couple of weeks, it was like the sheer volume of vulgar, vile, like hatred that, that came into me, came to my, you know, place of peace, right. Via form of like, whether that's, um, those were articles that were written or quite literally into my, my DMs, like thousands upon thousands of messages in my DMs, like telling me things about myself that I'm like, okay, those aren't real. But, but there's such ugly things about things that are so deeply personal that you, I think it's human nature to be like, oh my gosh, that hurts. Yeah. And so I haven't reacted so much. I think I do. Like, I think I do kind of stand up for myself publicly. Mm -hmm. I'm like, bring that shit over here like you do but it's dignified I mean like you talk about like not letting bullies win and I mean it's it's like you're defending yourself but you're doing it in a classy kind of elevated way which I would imagine would be a challenge given that everybody especially in your ex-husband's field and those who who don't know your divorce is it final Nikki now that we're talking about it or is it like in the process Oh yeah. It's fun. It's okay. Your husband, coach of the Miami heat. I mean, you have like Shaq weighing in. Like I would be like, what? I, know, what? That <laughs> what? I mean, that's just next level. That's beyond the neighborhood gossip. You know, everybody knows when someone separates or something happens, people have thoughts, but that's next level deflection of some really difficult energy. Well, it's funny that you say that. Um, you know, I think one of the funny things about being a former NBA dancer is that like people forget that we were on the ground too. Like we saw, we saw what he was doing also. Pause, pause. Don't you want to be like, do you really want to talk? Do you really want to talk? Oh my God. I don't know. I haven't saw you, honey. And I'm not talking, look, I'm not talking about Shaq. Okay. Like I'm not, not, but generally speaking, I mean, right. I'm like, wait a second. No. Yeah, I know. Isn't it just, it's just the old tired myth of like, the woman gets the blame. Like men have been doing men things. Let's go with stereotypes here for a second. Just 
doing what they want. Let's put it that way for hundreds, for millennia, right? And and the second that people have juice or gossip on a woman, it's like, oh, well, did you hear about her? It's like, you didn't even do, like, it's just, I give you credit is what I'm trying to say. It's a lot. You know, Sunny, but like conversely, like you think about how people procreated from like eons and eons and centuries ago or whatever, but like you were looking for like a meal, a mate. Yeah. There are bigger problems okay. than yeah. right? these people were doing that, right? Yeah. Like people. So you think about like dating and whatever in today's society, like everybody has their, their checklist of what they look for. Um, I think that there is a, a, a heavy swing in the stereotype of what men, women do versus what men do, but you don't see women waking up and being like, I want to date the biggest loser. Yeah. <laughs> I no, yeah. there's like, where's yeah. the biggest loser in the room. Yeah. Like that's the one I want to go for, you know? Uh, I just don't think that that's how people think. And mm-hmm. conversely, I don't think that men are like, I want to, I want to be with the dopiest woman mm-hmm. I can find. I want to be with the biggest loser woman. Like everybody has their set of what makes, you know, a dating life and a partnership meaningful. And I don't think that anybody is really in a position to opine on, on like a very sacred bond that goes on between two people when they choose to live their lives together and build a family together and get married and whatever. Like those things are between like you, your partner and God, and everybody is looking to check certain boxes, right? Mm -hmm. Like a husband, and I'm talking in a very like, like general way, a husband is looking for X, Y, Z boxes that he wants fulfilled in a wife. Mm -hmm. And a woman is looking at we can be gender, gender, gender neutral and like whatever. White yeah. Woman. Well, let's just talk about hetero. We're going to talk about hetero couples because uh, let's be honest. There are stereotypes for a reason. And I hate when people are like, well, well, of course there are exceptions, but let's just be yeah. honest for a second. I was just listening to a podcast this morning on what women and men tend to look for in hetero relationships. And we can, we can stop with the like, mm-hmm. oh, but what about how intelligent, which is just, there are some things that people tend to gravitate toward, whether it's on the basis of energy or how they feel safe or provided for. Anyway, so you're in a safe space to talk generally. I just think that like women, like women are going to look for, and it's women are going to look for what they're going to look for. Men are going to look for what they're going to look for. And like nobody, it's really nobody's business, like what those boxes are. And they could be so different for every single person. They can be so different for every single person. Yeah. And that's okay. It is okay. It is okay. And I just, um, you know, I think it's, it's so, it yeah, it's just so hard to exist as a woman these days and to like find someone that you trust. Like you said, to, that's a sacred bond that you have together, a decision you have to, that you make to have children and bring other people into your orbit. And I think that's the part that sometimes people forget. And it's your case is exactly what we see celebrity gossip built on too, right? It's this sense that we feel, and I'm using that generically, entitled to speak on somebody's relationship because we think that we have the whole story. And we think based on the New York Post article or the Perez Hilton article or whatever, like we well, know. A Perez Hilton article? I didn't see that. No, 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 no. I'm just using that as an example. Oh, I was like, oh, well-known oh, people, no, right? And someone didn't send me, send me. No, 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 no. Just, just generally speaking, yeah. I just, you know, you when you know what some what it feels like personally or have a conversation with someone in that sphere, you gain a new level of um of empathy which I think is really necessary. Yeah. You know, Sunny, I actually had to deal with an issue. Um, it was a friend of mine that, well, like a, like a you know peripheral friend mm-hmm. that I had heard was like opining on my situation. And I remember thinking, wow, like you've opened up to me about problems. It, like this person had opened up to me about problems in their own marriage and I had helped facilitate a couple of things, whether it was an attorney or baby nurse or whatever, whatever, um, to help this person. I was like, wow, like, that's so weird that this person would publicly opine on, on my situation. And I remember feeling like, you know what, I'm not going to deal with the gossip. I'm just going to go straight to the source. So I called this person and I was like, we need to have a talk woman to woman, mm-hmm. like what's going on. Um, and why would you say this about me? And it was actually, um, a really beautiful moment for growth, I think, for both people, um, that it served as a reminder that you are entitled to have an opinion on something, but you are also entitled to not talk about it. Mm. You're also entitled to stay the fuck out of the way. 
How did it end? How did the conversation end? And are great. you? It was, it was actually great. And it, it it initially was met with like a lot of defensiveness. Like who said that about, who said that I said that about you? And I was like, you know what? I'm not even mad. Like, I'm not even mad. I'm like, if I didn't give a fuck about you, like I would not have even called you. Mm-hmm. Like it's the fact that I actually give a shit about you and that I, I want to clear this because the last thing that I want in my world is to walk around with like unspoken animosity between people. Like, I don't need that. I like, I'm here to, to be a, like a light and like to clear the path for, for myself and for other people. And it wound up being a really, really beautiful moment. But I remember thinking like this person actually wound up breaking down and being like, you know what it is? I'm miserable in my life. Wow. And, And this person was like, from the outside, I'm. I think maybe I'm jealous. What talk about a revelation? Yeah. How did you respond? I was like, you know what? That's a conversation we can have. A, we can have that conversation sometime if you ever want to sit and talk about that. I'm here to be your friend, um, because that's like its own can of worms. Like you know, mm-hmm. and that's your own journey that you need to come to. Because again, like I come back to, like nobody knows like the sole contract that you have between you and your partner mm-hmm. and like why all the reasons to stay or all the reasons to leave. And like that decision, I remember being like really angry before, like before I got divorced and I would hear my friends of mine, like when I was happily married, like would be going through divorce and they would come to me and be like, Nikki, what should I do? And I'm like, you have to make that decision. And then I remember when I was in that situation, asking people, like asking for my friends to support me. I'm like, no, no, I want you to make the decision for me, right? Like, yes, you want to pass it off. You have to come to this yourself. And so it just goes to show you that, like, there is a sacred pact that goes on between couples. That, like, there's a, a like a journey that needs to go through for any couple, not me, any couple that you have the reasons why you stay or the reasons why you don't. Right. And that is personal. So it was just, it was like an interesting like awakening moment, I think in that conversation that I had. I want to ask you this. I think while, while some of us maybe, I mean, some definitely have, but others of us have not maybe had to make a decision on whether to get divorced or stay or go in a relationship, but we've certainly had those moments, which I think you articulated really well, uh, which are figure it out on your own, stop outsourcing the inner work. How, did that look for you arriving at the decision you did? And was it a lot of quiet time spent in thought? Are you a meditation person, a prayer person? And what did the revelation feel like when it landed on your lap? Sometimes people are scared to accept what they truly want. And I want to give those people who are listening permission to accept that truth for them. So how did it look or feel for you when you landed on that decision? Like, okay, this is, this is what has to happen. So I think that that is like, that process for me is still something very sacred that I'm, I'm not ready to talk about yet because it is so deeply personal. Um, and I have so much respect for the entirety of the situation and the experience that it's like, that's like something that is not for everyone. You know what I mean? And it's just something that's, that's mine. And, but I will say that for me, I experienced, I, as a human being, not as a wife, not as a mom, just as a person, I think that my sobriety was a huge change in my life. Mm. Like just in my life. Like I, for a long time, I had been playing small and self-medicating and I was, as a as an individual, deeply, deeply unhappy as a person, right? And so in my discomfort and my unhappiness, I was coping with the self-medication of alcohol and that was, that became like a cyclical messed up experience because like the more I drank, the worse I felt about myself, the worse mm-hmm. I felt about myself, the more that I drank and getting sober in 2020, um, really helped me rediscover myself like that I deserve. And it made me feel like I deserved to be, to live like a, a valuable life and that I thought my life was valuable. And I realized that I have a purpose, even if I don't even, even if I don't know what that purpose is, maybe it's helping people. I don't really, I don't even know. I don't have all the answers right now, but like getting sober really, really helped me wake the fuck up to my own, my own life. And right. so in getting sober, I just think that a lot of shifts happened for me as an individual. 
do you think you would have been able to arrive at your best decision were you not sober? I think that the universe teaches us lessons as many times as we need to learn them. Mm -hmm. So like to answer, like in a very roundabout way of answering your questions, I don't know. Right. I, I, like, I don't know. I just think that the universe presents <clears throat> different versions of an experience to you mm -hmm. until you learn the lesson. Right. That you need to take from it. Regardless and, of what the outcome is like, maybe people learn the lesson and, and they stay together or maybe people learn the lesson they don't, or like maybe they learn the lesson and they go away and they come back and what, I, I don't right. know, but like right. the universe is going to give you the lesson as many times as you they need to like bash you in the head. Sometimes the universe gives it to you like in a really subtle way. And it's like, Nikki, we're going to teach you this lesson and really, right. we're going to gently teach you this lesson. This right. Lesson. And then maybe it's just not hitting for you. Right. And the universe will like donkey kick your ass into learning the lesson. Well, God whispers and then he screams. That's yeah, what exactly. I always say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I just, yeah, we've all been screamed at before and that can look like, or has looked like, universe. You know, yeah. And it, you know, it can be in the form of, you know, I don't know, a relationship crashing or an infidelity or a betrayal of some sort, but there are always clues. There are always breadcrumbs sort of leading up to that. And, and it's like you said about taking a moment to stop asking other people, what's best for me? What do you guys think? I know that I'm in need of some real alone time and real reflection when I find myself asking other people's opinions a lot, like not job related. I'm like, well, what do you think? And I'm just like, oh, this means that like something big is happening. I need to just get quiet and figure it out. Well, Sunny, that's like the whole premise of my own podcast, right? The Know with Nikki Spo. Like some people mistake the name for In the Know or like what I, the Know is about not know is it's not about knowing everything, but it's about coming to know ourselves mm -hmm. because I think, and I, I literally just, I just released a podcast episode this morning called the loneliness epidemic. And I think that like, we're all searching for this like external validation and external, external like value where we really just forget to look inside and kind of sit with ourselves and, and figure out the answers. And something that I want our listeners to know is that the long route is actually the shortcut. Say that again for the people in the back. Uh, this yeah. is brilliant. What seems to be the long route is actually the shortcut because when you try to take the shortcuts, that winds up taking you much, much longer to get to your desired space. It's trying to you're you're trying to cut around the right. lessons. You're trying to deviate yeah. from. Yes, it's so true. And I'm cutting thinking the corners, cutting the corners, like trying to get the quick fixes in life. Like that's just going to take you longer to get to wherever it is you want. That's going to take you longer to learn the, learn the lesson. You know, like as you could put band aids on it, you can like really not heal it, and that's just going to take you longer. Yeah. So, are you the shortcut? All of this being said, how are you now? Like how how are you caring for yourself, and how are you? I'm really, I'm doing really well. Yeah, that's I'm good. Really I mean, there's, and I don't think there's any timeline on healing after divorce or how quickly you no. should be feeling okay. So there's no shame in that, but that's. Hold on. I'm requesting you. I know we're live, but I'm requesting you because yeah. I want to join your life. So yeah. Okay. Here we go. We got it to work. There we go. There we go. Awesome. Ooh, you look good on there too. Many angles you are giving. <laughs> Wait, we're by the way, for anyone who's like watching whatever feed you're watching on, we have to talk beauty. We have to talk all of the best spots in Miami for all the things that like skincare related <laughs> you, because you do, you always look good. And and I love your like to know it page too. So we're going to talk. Yeah. About um, I get, I just want everybody to know that like, I get really nervous about these things. So I'm like definitely pitting out. <laughs> I didn't even notice. So, so you know, like I Even love it. That means confident, get nervous from time to time. That means we were getting into some good juicy talks. Exactly. We actually left off on like, you were asking me like how I'm doing. Yeah, how you're doing. And for anyone who's just tuning in on Instagram, you're talking really candidly about getting to the other end of divorce. And, you know, I think there's a societal expectation that, okay, well, she must be feeling X, Y, Z, but I was asking how you were feeling and you said you're, you're healing. You're starting to feel like you're healing. Yeah. Fine now. Amazing. Continue. So, okay. So catch people up, Sunny. Yeah. Let's catch people up who are watching on Instagram. So we're talking with Nikki Spolstra and we're, I mean, we're talking about everything in your life. Most recently talking about your divorce, talking about healing, talking about ignoring the negative energy 
negative comments. And I feel like no matter what level you're living your life on, whether it's extremely in the public eye or not, there's a lesson there. And I wanted you to walk us through, like, you know, you were talking about how the no, which is the title of your podcast is emblematic of more than like, Oh, knowing what's happening in the world. It's like deeply connecting to that knowing force in you and how that played out based on what you've gone through. So I think that like just the no, the, the, the podcast itself is not about knowing everything. It's about coming to know ourselves. And I think that like people in general crave that. I think people crave coming home to themselves and wanting that internal peace. Mm -hmm. So for me, getting sober helped me a lot with that. Yeah. Um, and then really not looking for other people to answer my questions yeah about my own life um are you on what level do you and, and we can kind of pivot to some other things too but i am curious how you work how you explain this to kids there's a lot of people in that position where they're explaining a new family dynamic i have a friend who's just started down this pro divorce process and they're working through do you are you the parent who is extremely honest and who's like this is what's happening and why, or are you kind of taking it step-by-step, moment-by-moment? I know your kids are on the younger side too, which obviously plays a huge role in sort of how you talk about that. Um, <clears throat> I think as a rule, as a parent, it's really important to be age-appropriately honest mm. about a lot of things. I don't, and that's not limited to like what's going on in a home transition, but that's like, everything. I think we, we talked about even when I hosted you on my show, mm -hmm. like how to talk to kids about school shootings and things like that. And like we even behind the scenes, we started talking about how to address death, right, with with our kids in, in a way that is an age appropriate thing. And so I for for me, I've expressed to my children that there's just so much love and that they have so many people that love them. Like they might have two homes now. And mm -hmm. I talk a lot about gratitude and how lucky and fortunate they are and we are that that we get to have these a beautiful life you know as a as a you know a different looking family but there are so many different looking families mm -hmm. right like there's some families that don't have parents um that they live with their grandparents or an aunt there are parents that have same sex sex marriages you know some people have two mommies some people have two daddies and that all family di family dynamics regardless of what is societally accepted you know, because like society is going to have a say in, in everything, no matter what, whether we like it or not, like, mm -hmm. but they exist. And so let's find the joy and the peace and the happiness and the love in the setting that we are creating for our children. Um, we've publicly stated that we're both committed to co-parenting our kids, mm -hmm. you know, like we love them. I love them. Like, it does, yeah, that's something that doesn't change. Right. Yeah. When you ask about like how I'm doing, I'm like, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm very, very happy with the direction that my life is, has gone and is going. Like I, I try not to look at life as like, um, this one linear thing that has like a, an exact destination. And, and it took me a long time to get there, but I think that there are like just these huge ebbs and flows of life. And I think that everybody deserves the right to be happy and find what, what brings them ultimate peace. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, it's, it's such an individual process for everybody. And it, you know, just the baseline of telling kids that you are loved is the thing that sort of carries them through and ultimately what matters most when you started the no Nikki, you also, uh, your mission and, and just browsing through some old episodes was kind of making people feel a little less alone in whatever their, their struggle may have been. You talk very openly about getting through difficult family dynamics. And I would love if you could just speak to people who are in that spot, whether that's getting through what difficult family dynamics, oh. complicated relationship with your mom. And you were very honest with me, even when you interviewed me about what that looked like for you. Um, speak to that person um, and, and how you, and now as a mother, which causes you to reflect on every relationship in your life, because all of a sudden you're responsible for other humans, how, how you worked through that. So that was really difficult. Um, I am not of the school of people that think that like blood is blood and that's it. 
Like, oh. I believe that you, as a child, you do not have the power of choosing or the privilege of choosing who your family is or how they treat you. Mm -hmm. But as an adult, you do have the power of choice and you have the power to choose who you keep in your life. Mm -hmm. And so I became a straight, my mother passed away in 2022, which was probably one of the hardest years of my life. And just for context, for people who don't know, um, I found out I was pregnant that February in 2022, which was a planned pregnancy. And then shortly after my mom passed away, which was very complicated because I had been estranged from her. And I remember like a couple of people saying, well, you didn't like your mom anyway, so who cares? And I remember thinking, well, if anything, that made it even more complex. Like my feelings of grief were very complicated because even though I was estranged from her, I'm, I'm a human and I really wanted to have a relationship with my mom. And so her, her dying was like the, the real ending of a dream, right? Like as long as she was alive, I kind of like had this dream that maybe, maybe she could be the mom that I wanted, or maybe yeah. I could rekindle this relationship with her. And, you know, I, there were so many times in my life, especially as I became a mother myself, that I was like, I longed for my mom and I didn't necessarily mm -hmm. want my mom and the way that she was. Yeah, I wanted mother, right? Like I wanted mom, I wanted mother. I wanted that, like that archetype in my life. And I needed that. And so was pregnant. My, I lost my mom, like maybe like eight days after that. And then things started to get crazy in my life. And then shortly after that, our then four-year-old was diagnosed with cancer and we jumped right into chemotherapy while I was pregnant. Like I had COVID while I was pregnant. We all had, it was, it was like we many hospital visits, where, 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 what type of cancer, Nikki, and how did that flag too? Which so we just briefly speak about. My son had Burkitt lymphoma, which um, is a very fast growing cancer. Um, so we were really lucky that we found it when, when we did. It presents mostly, it, although it's not super common, it does present mostly, in, when, it, when it presents, it presents most commonly in boys five and under. Wow. Okay. What were the symptoms? His stomach hurt. That's it. Yeah. And so, but it was the type of pain where he was kind of like doubled over, like unable to do anything. And I remember calling the doctor and he had been on antibiotics because everybody in the preschool class was sick, you know? And so they were like, at first they were like, you know, it's probably the antibiotics, like give him the cultural, give him the probiotics to ease his stomach. But it just continued and it continued. And eventually I was like, it's gotta be something else. So we went in for an ultrasound. We found out there was this thing called intussusception, which is like when a part of the intestine telescopes into itself, which is why it like what causes the tremendous pain. Mm -hmm. And so they wound up having to take a part of his intestine out, which, so all of this seemed a little bit like unrelated, right? But thank God, like, thank God that this all happened in the order that it did because them taking that part of his intestine out they found a growth there. And just like any growth, they would send it to the lab for testing. And I remember going home from that surgery thinking like, it's all good. It's it's all good. We got his intestines sorted out. It's all good. I'm pregnant. My life is up in flames. Like my mom just died. I'm really coping this, with this. He actually had the surgery the day of my mom's funeral, which mm -hmm. was, was wild. Um, so I go and like, I'm thinking like, they're going to send it to pathology and everything's going to be great because like, this is people have masses all the time and they're fucking. And then a week later, our, my pediatrician called me on a Sunday and was like, Hey, can I come over? I'm like, can you come over? Yeah. I'm like, it's Sunday afternoon. Like, what, what do you want to talk about? Like, this can't be good. So that's when we found out. And we like, we just like, we we're very proactive. We got on call with an oncologist and we, we ran headfirst into it and we rallied around our son. And um, how long from that point to now and how long was the treatment? What did that look like? So it was a seven week treatment and um, everybody's chemotherapy is like different. It's like a cocktail of chemotherapy. So everybody's right. med like medicines look different depending on, on what, what type of cancer they have and what, what the treatment plan is, but that we had, it was, well, it was probably a little bit more than seven weeks. It was probably like eight or nine weeks just because like we got COVID, we had, we got sick, like obviously children and people who have cancer are um, immune compromised. And so any cold is an issue. Any type of getting sick is a big issue. Mm -hmm. And so we dealt with that. And 
And that was hard because I was also like increasingly pregnant, still caring for my sick son, my sick son, and also caring for my other son who mm -hmm. also needed his mommy. Um, and so it was just like a, a really, really wild year in my life. Um, yeah. Until my daughter was born. And then, you know, I started to, to, to find happiness and I think everybody deserves to have that. Yeah. I mean, for I think sometimes when you go through things like that, and I, I mean, my struggles or stories have been different, but maybe similar in intensity in different ways. And I, I remember reminding myself exactly what you said, like, okay, well, this is life right now. And I, you can decide to live in the tragedy of it all. And there was tragedy or difficult moments, or you can choose to like find the few things today that are making you happy. And maybe it's two or maybe it's one or whatever. Um, but I like that you share that message of being deliberate with happiness because I think we forget that sometimes not that we're yeah. not in control of the situation. We're in control of our reaction to it. And so, so corny, but it's, it's true, you know? So I like that you remind people of that. I appreciate you saying that because I do think that happiness is a choice. Just like I think love is a choice. Like you can in theory love somebody, but love like you is an action, is a choice, is a behavior um, that you have to wake up and do every single day as long as you choose to be with a person. And I think that happiness is the same. So mm -hmm. every night before I go to sleep and I do it intentionally at night, um, because by the nighttime, like all the shit has happened in the day and you're like pissed, like you have, you're much more likely to be pissed off about all the shit that has gone on in the day. Mm -hmm. So I try to make it a point to do it at night, to write 10 things that I'm grateful for every day. And like on the shittiest days, sometimes that sounds like I'm grateful for my bed. I'm grateful that I ate today. I'm grateful. You're like the really, like the really like fundamental basics. And then there's other like rock star days. And I'm like, I'm so grateful that I got to see my children smile or I closed this deal with a brand that I really, really love, you know, and, or I got to do this podcast with Sunny, you know, like there's other days that you knock it out of the ballpark and it's just like, wow. And then there's the shit days where you're like, I had toothpaste. I mean, <laughs> mine is, I had one time that was like, I'm walking on two legs. It was literally like, okay, yeah. you know, but it is okay. And it is, it is inevitable that we will have days that you got to go to the least common denominator for what you feel thankful for. And that's what I want people to remember is that like social media will have us believe that, you know, the lowest thing that could ever happen is that, I don't know, you like, I don't know, like your latte wasn't ready on time or something, but, but it's, there's, there, everyone is struggling. Everyone has something that you don't see. Totally. Yeah. I want to mention something that because you brought it up earlier um, and before we started the Instagram live, it's just that like that people don't always know the backstory of what people are going through. Um, and that, you know, I mentioned it just now that like 2022 was like a very, very difficult year for me and everything happened at once. Like any one of those things alone would have been a lot for any person to handle. And we talked about it before that, like, I think when you're walking through the fire, you're just like, my feet feel hot. And that feels, that's normal that my feet are hot because no shit, I'm walking through the fucking fire. Like, right. <laughs> like, okay, my feet are going to be warm. Like I live in South Florida. I'm going to sweat outside. Like, <laughs> you know, but I think that, that when you go through these things and you still make a decision, decision to find the joy, mm -hmm. like I had every reason to fall into like a really deep depression. I truly did. I had every single reason to fall into a really, really deep depression. And I, I think that some of the things that kept me afloat were like hosting my podcast because like mm -hmm. maybe my, maybe nobody gives a shit about my podcast, but I believe that it helps people. Absolutely. I believe that it helps me. So doing my podcast every day helped me because I believed that I was helping people like continuing to do things like volunteer with people with down syndrome, like that, kept me afloat, like having an amazing support system that like I would be ho driving home from the hospital with my son at one o'clock in the morning or whatever, you know, like switching out with dad or whatever to like, so that mm -hmm. I could go be with my other son, it, like calling my friends and them just letting me scream into the phone for a minute. Right. Like nobody saw that, right. you know, like you didn't see that part of it. Right. And that's okay because that was private. 
And I needed to go through that. And my family needed to go through that. Mm. But like really leaning in to the things that can bring joy to your life, even in the sadness. And I think that in hindsight, when I look back, it's, it's 2024 now. I look at back, back at my year of 2023 and think, okay, well, that was that was hard too. 2022 is definitely harder, like, because there were more things, but like, I still found a way to grow and be, find the joy, even mm -hmm. in the, in the shitty moments. And it, it makes me think a lot about this award that I got when I was a Miami Heat dancer, we did like superlatives mm -hmm. and my team, you know, they, they, they got like best dancer, best at hip hop, best um, performer, like most personable, like all the, the normal, right superlatives and my award was the most likely to make sugar out of shit <laughs> i love that and at first i was like what the fuck like, <laughs> I, was like, I was like is that a compliment <laughs> and what i realized is that i think it's one of my life the biggest compliment. i'd rather do that than win the best hip-hop dancer yeah out of something really gross yeah i'm out and i own it like now I'm... i own it i'm like yep that's me like i'm <laughs> You want to make something beautiful out of something yuck? Like I'm your girl. I love that, Nikki. And, and I say honestly, that with a lot of humility, Sunny, because yes. like and, and honestly, like I don't want to like overreach here, but like I'm gonna say, like, that's become part of who you are now. Yeah. Like that's kind of your I don't want to say your brand because that cheapens it. The depth of what you've experienced looking death in the eye or worrying about the future health of your like you have hit the lowest of the lows, but I do think that for what it's worth on translating your lessons into helping others. I do think it's okay that that's kind of part of your brand now. Like this is the girl that I kind of go to when I, when I'm hitting a low and I, I want to know that there's something beyond it. And I want to find totally. my joy again, or I want to find mm -hmm. my purpose again. And we kind of, you know, I know I just knocked social media, but sometimes it does force us or these things, these ways that we put ourselves into the world force us to dialed down in very intensely on what it is that we think we can give back. And that in and of itself is the healing part, right? Like, oh, I can, like you said, like I can show up here and I can do this. And even if it's two people that write to me over the course of 10 years and say you, and someone wrote to me last week about something very personal. I said, it's all because of an episode you did. And I was like, you know what? That'll carry me through the next year. Like just knowing that that won. So that's what, that's your skill, I think, right? That's what you're showing people is possible. Thank you. You know, I want to touch on two things. Um, one, one thing about sobriety, um, like you can hit your rock bottom at the bot, like on the floor of your penthouse hmm. apartment on fifth Avenue or, or whatever. And, or you could hit your rock bottom underneath a bridge. Like it's your personal rock bottom, like whatever, like propels you into like getting help or getting into like the mode where you want to create positive change in your life. Mm -hmm. Like that might look different for everybody. And I'm not sitting here to say like, if people might look at my rock bottom and think, oh, she's so privileged and she's so lucky. And like, I wouldn't cry if I were in her shoes or like, and I'm talking about my sobriety specifically, but everybody's rock bottom is relative, you know, mm -hmm. like whatever propels you into positive change, like mm -hmm. let that be it. Like, I'm okay with that. And, and then and the second I, thing I, I to just want to hop in, Nikki, that's a really good point. we sometimes tend to really minimize people's pain because their outside looks more appealing than maybe what our outside appearance does. And I think it's really important to hold space for the way people need love in their lives. Even if you don't agree, like we're in such a, we're in such a culture these days where if you don't struggle at every point of the graph, right, then you're not deserving of, 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 peace or respect or the ability to publicly share or emote. And I just, I want to kind of kill that because it, it, it kills the empathy in us when we qualify who is deserving of that space to heal. So Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up and it can look, it's going to look different for everyone. And ultimately we don't know what's happening on the inside. So thank you for bringing that up. I think that's beautiful. I like, and I'm going to write that down. Like you don't have to qualify for empathy. Mm -hmm. Like there's no qualifier. You deserve it. You just deserve yeah. it. Yeah. period. Yeah. Um, so, and then the next thing I wanted to bring up is that like, ever since starting this platform of my podcast and like just opening up even via Instagram or whatever, but, um, I've had so many women, um, mostly women, some men do it too, especially in like the sobriety world, but so many people just like reach out to me saying like, it's because I listened to you say this one thing. And I'm just like, Holy shit. Like me, I said the one thing, you know, it's really humbling. And then like, I'll, I'll go out sometimes and, some people will be like, oh, I listen to your show. And like that, mm -hmm. that means so much to me. Um, yeah. It happens a lot in the world of sobriety. I went 
at my baby shower one day, a woman came up to me and it was a, a baby shower at a beautiful restaurant here in Miami. And she came up to me. I'm here with all my friends. And in front of all my friends, she just said, I got sober because of you. Oh, and I was like, God. holy fuck. Like, I'm like, holy shit. Like, I don't even know this, this person, yeah. you know, or, you know, I have been very, very intentional about keeping my marriage experiences as sacred because they are sacred. And I don't believe that everybody deserves a window into to that. I don't mm -hmm. believe it. Like, mm -hmm. and that's my right. And that's my prerogative to have. But I will say that with all these people not knowing anything about anything, there's been a ton of people who've had negative opinions and have come to me and said negative, horrible things. But just as much, there have been a lot of women who've come to me and say, have said, I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, I don't even, I don't even, I'm not seeking pride or people, me, women who are saying like, I've, I've wanted to not be married and this gives me hope. And again, like, I'm not trying to say that you should hope to be divorced or hope to end your marriage or hope to leave or hope to stay. Or, like, that's, that's not my, that's not my place to say that. But the mm -hmm. fact that like it's had that impact and that wave and that people are sending me those types of messages in addition to the ones that are like just shitty messages, I'm like, okay, all right. Mm -hmm. And I also just have to remember to take all of it with a grain of salt because yeah. like ultimately nobody knows. Nobody knows. I mean, will you ever come out and be fully transparent or is that some a matter of just wanting to protect your kids from the- No, it has nothing to do with protecting my kids and has everything to do with protecting my soul. <sighs> my gosh. Okay. I have to ask it's not you about this. my kids. It's so, not about the other person. It's about like me protecting my energy, my soul, yeah. and like the pact that I made with that person and God and whatever, like, and me knowing that that is my sacred experience. Mm -hmm. So that what, nobody can see. what will Nikki look like showing up in her next relationship or meaningful, listen, I'm not forcing you back out into the dating pool, but I think there's something to be said for the fact that you decided you guys made this decision and everybody I know who's separated or divorced has shown up in a different way in the next relationship that they have, even in friendships, they show up as different people. So what's like Nikki's lesson? What's this new version of yourself taking into whatever meaningful relationship you have from here on out. Um, there are so, there, I mean, there are so many lessons. I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot of great things about myself. I've learned a lot of shitty things about myself that I'm like, okay, well, I want to show up better. You know, uh, I want to show up as a better partner, as a better friend, as like all of these things. Um, and then there are certain things that I, I want, I want to experience. I think to say how I'm going to show up in a future relationship is so difficult because like I'm really building a relationship with myself again. And I'm my friends and I always say you're, you're now you're in a Build-A-Bear shop. Like you get to see what things you like about people, what things you don't like about people that, and, and partner them up with like the things that you've learned about relationships thus far. Like well, what I did you learn? people who've been married, even you if they get divorced, like I, I just really applaud people who've, who've gone through the commitment of marriage. And like, it's funny because I have a lot of respect for divorcees also, because I'm like, you know what, at the very least, like it shows that you had, you were able to commit, like that you tried. Give me, give me somebody who's divorced any day over like somebody who's never, ever, ever been married. I know. Cause right. The even lack of desire to try is a real flag for me. Right. I'm like, okay, this person yeah. tried, like, mm -hmm. I respect you. Like you tried. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I mean, you can't win it all unless you put it all on the table. And I am yeah. really like dubious about people. And I mean, I'm, I'm married now, but you know, it, it did always flag to me, like to see the much older single guy. I'm like, really? Like it was, ne there was no one that was ever worth a shot. Like it's kind of weird, but you know, um, okay. I want to talk all things just before we wrap beauty and fashion. Nikki, I love your style. You're really great about going on, putting together looks. I find myself clicking over to your LTK all the time, specifically you. to find your jeans. So good picks there. Um, I want to talk for anybody who's like specific to the Miami area, like give us favorites as far as facials, beauty spots we need to go to, or like, it can be even like your favorite. And I don't know, I'm speaking for you, but I like get, you know, Botox or 
or like a filler? Like what are those spots? Okay. So, you know, it's wild. Uh, and I think this is a, a fun sh- story to share is that like I, my main brand partner is Sana Skin Studio and they're based here in Miami with locations in Coconut Grove, Wynwood, and Fort Lauderdale. Okay. And, you know, I think people look at influencers or whatever and they're like, oh yeah, they're just like hawking like they're just selling a product and whatever, whatever. The truth of the matter, like the, the way that my relationship with Sana Skin Studio started was that they invited me in for a free facial, um, like during, like when COVID was starting to kind of like open up slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went in for a facial and I was like, I'm obsessed with you guys. I was like, I'm going to create content for you for free for three months. I'm going to create content for you. And in those three months, we did, mind you, we're selling facials, right? So those right. are maybe like a buck 20, a buck 50. Right. Like 150. Mm-hmm. I mean, not like a mm-hmm. dollar. <laughs> um, right. But that's, that's the price point of the things that we're selling. And in those three months, we did over $9,000 in sales. And that's I was amazing. like, I just, I did that. And that was me. Start, this was before I had a podcast, right? Right. I was like, just getting into this world. And I was like, okay, I love this so much that I, I genuinely want to talk about this. And this is something that is like part of my brand ethos now is that I don't talk about shit that I don't want to talk about. Yeah. Like if I don't like the product. I'm not just like partnering with a brand because like they're going to pay me. Like the money is nice. And I, like, what a theory for my fucking life, right? Like the money <laughs> might, might be nice, but if it doesn't align with my brand ethos, like if it's, oh my God, just like that's the tagline, the money is nice, but it's not worth the piece. It's so true. Like you said, it's like the shortcut thing. Like I don't want to advertise a brand that I don't like. No, you don't. Yes, yes. No, I'm waking up and I'm like, oh, I have to talk about this brand. Right, 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 right. Okay, so a metaphor for life, right? Like their whole vibe is like we don't waste time doing what we don't because you know what the currency is time. Time is is also like your soul a little bit. I mean, it's a little like much, but it is like when you give of yourself, whether that's advice or time, like that's an energetic gift to like wherever you're shooting it out to and like unless it's worth it it's not worth it exactly so I start so that ended that brand partnership that I did for free with Sana Skin Studio ended in December of that year right Mm -hmm. I'm already in the background building my podcast like I'm starting to work on it and so finally I said I sat them down and I pitched them I'm like look I need money to like edit these episodes I have not invested any money. I did not invest. I did not like invest any of my own money into the, into this. Right. Right. And I was like, I don't have a sponsor. I would love for you to be the sponsor. It's X amount of dollars a month, which was a very, very low amount at the time. Mm -hmm. And they were like, yes, we believe in you. We believe in you. Like hard stop. We believe in you. And they were the first brand to ever give me. Yes. That's money. Yeah. That I didn't even have a product yet. Like they didn't know that my podcast was going to climb in the top 2%. They didn't know that I was going to be up for two Gracie awards. They didn't know that at the time they just like took Nikki Spolster and they were like, we believe in her, mm-hmm. you know? And even when afterwards, after I got a divorce, I was like, I, I want to let you know this shift in my personal life, because you know what the reality is? It's like, I don't know who's in it for me as a, as an individual or me as like the perceived brand right. on the outside. Right. Right. And they were like, no, we're invested in you. Yeah. We're invested in you. And so that. this is one of the partnerships that I have that isn't merely a partnership. They're like family to me that I actually really, really love what they do. So there, that's Sana Skin Studio. I think they're the best in the clean facial, in, in the facial game, but they also do like clean products, clean beauty. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a vibe going there. But you know, like, I think you can be the girl who does both. Like I wear mm-hmm. Chanel and I wear Jordans and I go to shop at Marshall's and like, you know, like I, I'm a jack of all trades kind of lady. Like I have a very nice luxury SUV, but I also have a pickup truck, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. because I do the things at home, you know, I have a housekeeper, but I scrub my own toilets also when they're not mm-hmm. like what I need to. And I get clean facials, but I also get Botox, you know? And, and so for that, I go to like refresh by Myrie. So speaking my language, and she's okay. Gables, and I love her. And I think that she's the best injector in the city. So you know? what, what's your, what's your philosophy on injections? Because my whole thing is like, I do the six month at least between, cause I like a little movement. I mean, you're like me, like I'm expressive. I'm a t- like it, my feelings come through my face and they have to be shown on my face. So I wait six months, but what is your like schedule like? And what is your like neurotoxin of preference? Are you Botox girly? Are you a dyspore? Mm-hmm. What, what are we doing? Um, 
I have kind of like fallen off the Botox, to be honest, just because I, I actually don't like how Not my face moving. looks with it. Like oh, I get angry so brows. I like angry bird eyebrows. Like my <laughs> eyebrows are already crazy. You know, it's funny. Like in some of these articles that came out for me, there were <laughs> some of these trolls were like, they were like, man, she thinks those brows are working for her, but they're not. And I'm like, oh huh, my God. Talks. I was, so like, rude. I was like, oh shit. You gotta lay like, off the You gotta <laughs> stop up. Yeah, lay off the top. I was like, man, the trolls, they have a point there because my my brows are doing that angry bird oh thing and God. I don't like it. Oh so my God. I've actually like, I've fallen off of the Botox. I don't like to do it so much. I've done fillers. Like, I don't care. I'll talk about it. Like, where do you do it? Are you, you lit? Like, like, where are you doing I it? Had, what's that? Where are you doing it? Like lips? Are you under the eye? I get, I do mine. I've, under done, the I've done my under eyes because yeah. I'm a mom of three and I'm tired as fuck all the time. Like mm. I did my eye under eyes. Um, I've done my lips and I think that like, if you were to look at my face, like I don't look like I have these like crazy lips. Like, no, no, not at all. natural. Like refresh, my girl, Myrie Bustamante, she, her whole thing is, is helping women to look refreshed and not so done. Right. Um, I think it's really personal. And I think that like, you know, I actually, I got my boobs done when, after I had my first son. How did that go through the other two pregnancies? My whole life had like nice, fun boobies. Right. And <laughs> I was lucky. Like my mom actually, like my mom had a breast reduction because they were causing so many back, it was causing back problems for her. Like when I was growing up. So you were a skinny girl with big boobs. That's like, that's not fair. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I don't think I was like a skinny girl with big boobs. I think I was like a skinny girl with like perky boobs. Yeah. Okay. All right. And I remember I it was so funny. Like I'm going to do something and you're going to see my sweaty armpits again. But like, I remember we used to joke in, in the locker room as when I was a heat dancer. And like at the time I danced for the heat when I was 18, 19, 20, 21. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there were women in their later twenties. Right. And so they would do, we would do this funny thing where we would joke and we'd be like, ready for my sweaty armpits? <laughs> like 20-year-old boobs, 30-year-old boobs. They don't even want to know what 40 looks like. Oh my God. 30-year-old boobs. And we would all laugh and I never got it. I was like, I don't know, I'm 20. So you're like, I'm good. Whatever. And then I had my first son and I was like, oh. Did you nurse? So I had, I, I got my, I got my breast augmentation when I went after the birth of my first son. And I remember having conversations with people and being like, like people were like upset about it and being like, you're going to look so fake and stupid. And I just think it's like, there's a tasteful way to do things and there's an untasteful way to do things. And then there's a way to do it where people aren't like, oh my gosh, those are huge fake tits. Right. And like, you think about the worst case scenario when it comes to like what people are doing with their faces, whether it's Botox fillers or facelifts or whatever the fuck they're doing threads. Like there's a way to do that where you're going to yeah. look crazy. Right. And then there's a way to do it where it's self-preservation. And then there's also the conversation of like, who's telling us as women that we even need to do these things. And like, oh. that's just a very personal thing that I think that women need to sit down with and be like, am I doing this for guys? Am I doing this for other mm -hmm. people? Am I doing this for myself? Why am I doing this for myself? Who taught me that I need to look a certain way to be acceptable? Yeah. At the end of the day, I want to look how I want to look like. And I'm, like, I make decisions from a place of like right. core, my core values and peace. And like, I don't really worry about what people think about it. I love that. Yeah, I think, and I've talked a lot about this on my podcast too, this like, you know, I, I have a very serious side and one that's concerned much like you are with like personal development and like engaging with people in a respectful way and spirituality. Then I just have my superficial bitch alter ego. Like I want to look good. And I think that anything you do to our bodies, that's why, you know, I'm open to an extent about what I do because I think that giving ourselves permission to have that duality exist. Like I, I could be, I am a very serious, intelligent person who can engage in pretty much any topic, but I can also like want my boobs to look nice. And I will tell, you know, it's, it's okay. And I think you hit on the point, which is get to a point in your own self evolution where you're doing it for you. Like I have yeah, a few daughters. Sure. I'm not going <clears> to <throat> say, go get your boobs done. It's going to solve all your problems. But I will say, you know what, like after you have kids or at a point in your life where you feel like, this is going to just be the icing on the cake. It's not going to fill your cup then sure. Now, do you have to do it to be a worthy loved human? No, but it's just, it's this like gray area that you can't explain to people. And I think people want to 
kind of throw women in a box and be like, well, yeah, I mean, she got her boobs done. So she's like, she's a bimbo. Like, that's all she cares about. It's really. Oh, honey, like, they've been calling me a bimbo since I was like 15. That's, oh. That's I'm like, so what do I do? To prove that I'm not a bimbo? <laughs> or like, do whatever the fuck I want. The answer is B, do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, I don't need to prove any, to anybody. I'm like, you guys are calling me, man, y'all are calling me a gold digger. You guys are calling oh, me Nikki. a bimbo anyway. So like, how about I keep my eyes on my own yoga mat and do what I want to do? That's right. Because Stay on your mat. I love that yeah, analogy. Stay on your mat. mat man. Yep. Like, yep. Yeah. I caught part of your interview with the, um, the yoga woman and it was the oh, I yeah. caught part of your Perfect interview. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. She was amazing. And it was just like, there are lessons there, I think for all parts of life, just kind of keeping totally. our blinders on, which I think you're doing such a great job of. Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, Nikki. I, I do want to ask one more thing though, before we wrap, and that is what's coming up on the show. Are we going to start to see a reflection of this new journey that you're going yes. on? What are we going to see on in the now? We're the new and improved Nikki. Like, yeah. seriously, you know, um, I, I, one of the biggest, nicest compliments that I've been receiving pretty consistently lately is like, I see people and they're like, oh, you look like yourself. Mm. I was like, oh, did I not look like myself before? They were like, not necessarily. You just look more like yourself now. It's an energetic so, thing, huh? Yeah. I think it's like an energetic thing. And so I think that that's undeniable because I feel it, but I also think that that's going to come up in my show. And I did, I started calling my solo episodes, Nikki's Bow Unveiled, which is mm -hmm. kind of like a funny little play on words. You know, what do you use a veil for when you're getting married? Right. Yep. So I'm now like unveiled because I have a funny little sense of humor <laughs> that people don't realize. <laughs> so um, my mini episodes, my solo episodes, they're called Nikki's Bow Unveiled. And that's where I kind of talk about more things that are I talk about things that are more personal to me, like, like topics that come up in my day-to-day -day life. Whereas like with my guests, I might talk about something that is a little bit more broad and that like is less specific to me, but like important conversations to have, you know, like more universal conversations. And so that's, what's coming up. Um, I was up for the people choice awards. I'm up for two Gracie awards this year, which honor exceptional women in podcasting and journalism. And I don't know, like these are some big hitting names that have been winners. So, you know, on, I would like to say something about imposter syndrome is that, you know, I, I looked at some of the past winners and these are people like Alex Cooper from call her daddy mm -hmm. and Maria Shriver and Katie Couric. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, I'm like, what? I was like, nope. Don't. I have zero percent chance of winning. Like, I'm like, I'm looking at myself and I'm like, I'm, I'm not winning this award. <laughs> like, I'm like, what am I doing? And I, I actually had a moment where I cried to one of my friends and I was like, ah, I'm such a fake. I don't deserve to be here. And she's like, you're having imposter syndrome, but I want to like, let you know something that there is no imposter. Like right. you're sitting at the table. Yeah. You, Nikki Spolstra is sitting at the table. It's not a fake. It's just, it's just you. There's yeah. no imposter here. So I may not win the award. Um, <laughs> I I still doubt that I will, but I think it's pretty freaking cool that like I even get a mention among women like that. Even yeah. If he hears my name called. Yeah. Listen, I, I, same. I've been up for things before and I'm like, Whoa. but it's getting yourself in the game. It's believing in yourself enough to even take that first well, step. That's right. And yep. you know, my, um, I have an editing team who edits my podcast and they're like, they were encouraging me. They're like, Nikki, you just have to be willing to swing and miss. Mm -hmm. like over and over and over again. And like for our listeners, anybody tuning in, I want them all to like, just really kind of sit with that just because, because it's uncomfortable, right. To, to like, I'm scared of swinging and missing. I don't want to miss. Like I want right. to hit, right. I know. Hit, but like having the courage and, and like the humility really it's because mm -hmm. it's humility, right. To be able to like try and fail. Right. So that's something that I've been really trying to lean into, like, just be willing Nikki to, swing your hardest and miss the ball. And like, that's okay because we tried. Right. Well, I think if what you've been willing to share is any indication, I think people will be coming along for the journey and to see the evolution and cheer you on. Because you. like I said earlier, your, um, 
it's kind of, well, I think whether you like it or not, it's kind of part of you now, right? You're like the lemon lemonade out of lemons kid. So I know I can't wait to see what, what happens with you. So thank you for, thank you for going there with me, Nikki. This was like, um, I'm grateful that you were able to and willing to share what you did. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sunny. Much love for you. Much love for your show and everything that you're doing. This is amazing. Thank you so much. And guys, if you were watching live, whether it's on Instagram or uh, Facebook or YouTube, thank you so much. The cut episode is going to be coming out shortly on the We Gotta Talk feed. So keep an eye out for it there. Nikki, thank you again so much. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. If you like good, juicy conversations like the one we just had, I hope you'll consider subscribing to the podcast feed. I promise I've got lots of great content coming up in 2024 from the very serious issues that are happening to the more fun and lighthearted. WeGottaTalk.com always also has the very latest updates and broken down tips and tricks from experts that appear on the show. If you got a second, rate and review the podcast. You can do that now on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you next week with more real talk here on We Gotta Talk.